Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios. We're part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. And all live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas. I'm your host, Porter Hayes, and alongside me is Jacob Davis. And our broadcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting season. This season with NBA playoffs, you always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. So go on over to Bet Online and use our 50% welcome code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we are pleased to bring you via the Metters Lumber Hotline, Kevin Bohannon, the guru. Um, Postseason, man, it seems like yesterday we were bringing you on to preview the season. Yeah. Now here we are. We're talking about the bet. I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to be a sunshine pumper to you, Kevin, but if you want to talk about the jump between regular season and postseason, there's nothing like postseason baseball. I mean, I yeah. know you have March Madness, but I'm, there's just something about postseason baseball that gets a different group, a different type of fan base, and when you've got fans already lining up, Camping out, ready Eight for this out, yeah. <laughs> that just shows you. But uh, going into this, you knew Arkansas was set. We said three to four. I was talking about that um, a couple of weeks ago. Worst case scenario four, best case scenario three. And they ended up with three seed. Just yeah. talk about, I mean, the team, the resilience. I mean, we've talked about it for weeks now on what this team has done with the grind and the injuries. And you, your prediction preseason – and where they're at now, and dealing – that was before the injuries. Just talk about what this team's overcome and where they're at now. Yeah, so preseason – thanks for having me on, guys. It's great to be back on Hog Talk, first of all. Uh, preseason, I had them 18 and 12 in conference behind LSU, and everybody, I think everybody would have been okay with that, um, 18 and 12. Last year is not 18 and 12 this year, obviously, because – there were four SEC teams that had won 16 or 17 games that got to host this season, and Arkansas was a two-seed last year. So they've got to figure that stuff out, but that that's a whole other conversation. This team, and looking back over the whole body of work, it's been the same team no matter what players have been in there. So no matter who's on the mound or who's at second base, who's at third base, shortstop, behind the plate, They've all produced at certain points during the season, and that's what goes to the recruiting and the depth of this team that Dave Van Horn was talking about before the season. Look, this on paper, this is the deepest pitching staff I've ever had. That turned out to be true because you lose Jackson Wiggins, you lose Brady Tigert for two-thirds of the season, and Cody Frank goes down. Well, Zach Morris, who was, you know, Turned down money to come back. It was a no-show for the first part of the season. Gets to the last week of the season. Has a good outing against Vanderbilt. Good outing at SEC tournament. So, now he's a force to be reckoned with going forward. Just like he was last year in the postseason. Super regional. Or regional, super regional in College World Series. So, no matter who it's been, they've always stepped up. And you look back, okay, the one bad weekend they had against Georgia, they went 0-3. 
Okay. Other than that, they swept Tennessee, swept A&M. They beat A&M four out of five times, and A&M was a top five preseason team. Now, did they underperform? Yeah, a little bit compared to where they were. Arkansas was, you know, eight to 12. One publication had them at 21. Uh, we won't say them on live air because that's just ridiculous. But, you know, 18 and 12, and I think I had them two or three games off. You know, they've already won 41 games. That's that's big. So, and I was talking to Porter about this the other day, and we see this in basketball and football all the time of, okay, Alabama's won the most games since X, since whatever year, or Kansas in basketball or Kentucky, not even more in basketball. But Arkansas since 2017 has won more games than any other program in the nation. So, yes, it's a blue blood. Yes, it's a blue chip program. And now everybody's just waiting for the big one. They're waiting for Dave Van Horn to get that national title. That's where we're at as a program right now. And I remember back – then it was the year Casey Martin came out of high school in 2017. His freshman year, of course, was when we were, were Arkansas was a runner up to Oregon State. And I remember talking to a scout, and I've, I've said this on the show before. They said, This is where Arkansas takes off. I was like, What do you mean? He said, Usually you come up here, you got six or eight guys that you know are going to be drafted. Now you got 18. And it's been mm. like that ever since. So when you're stacking 18 professional prospects on top of each other year after year. Just look at last year's lineup, guys. All of them get drafted. The only one that didn't was um, he went to Grand Canyon and is, is having a good year. So that's where they're at right now. The, the pitching staff, they made it work. Hagen Smith did his job. He did not whine one bit about it because he was the dude coming in. Shoved down in Arlington, went all through the preseason or preseason a non-conference slate. Gets to the p- conference plate, and they're okay. We're going to move you to the back end. Okay, great. Put Hunter Holland up there. They beat LSU. They beat Paul Skeen not once but twice. So it it, it just goes back to saying, no matter who's stepping into the plate or who step on the mound, they've been the same person. They've been the same team throughout the whole season. I wanted to ask you, and I think we I'd mentioned this to you. The, the other day when we were, we were texting. I'm not saying they haven't been elite, but is this the first year they've proven that they were an elite team because of what they've been able to do? It's not your front line. You see it in Alabama football when a linebacker goes down, it's plug and play. Yeah. What they've been able to do with their bench and their injuries and still remain a number three seed, this to me is proven. This is the proof on paper that this is an elite program and if any other year, Dave Van Horn, and I don't know if they're going to give it to the Wake Forest coach or who's going to get but if any other year, I think Dave He's Van Horn, he deserves to be coach of the year because three seed and all the list of injuries they've dealt with, that, that is truly remarkable. Yeah, and because there's a lot of comparisons to 2021 right now, and those are two totally different years and in terms of – how they won, okay? You, you had freshman phenom and Caden Wallace and then Kevin Copps just did something that had really never been done before. And Arkansas wins every series. So they didn't do that this year. So to your point, Porter, yes, it, it shows that they can win with anybody. And they can take uh, a John Bolton and put him at shortstop who got it, his scholarship pulled at Austin P because he wanted to bet on himself. They can take a Peyton Holt, who's a rebound from Louisiana Lafayette, went to Crowder, wanted to play, wanted to be a hog. So Peyton Stovall goes down, who 
coming into the season is, you know, one of your guys that you're looking at saying, okay, he can be that guy. And now Peyton's hitting 395. You got Jace Borfin, who started out the first half of the season on fire, which we were all waiting for. Like, all right, he's done it in fall ball, and he's done it in the summer at the Cape. Why is he not doing it at Arkansas? Well, he's finally doing it at Arkansas. And then you got guys like Jared Wagner missed, you know, however many four or five weeks that he missed. Tavian Josenberger. Just think back, guys. We're talking about all these transfers when they came in and being like, who the hell are these guys? Why are we getting 96 infielders? We need a center fielder. And little did we know the great kazoo behind the <laughs> curtain back there, Dave Van Horn's being like, I got it. I got it. Just wait. Patience here. And it, it reminded me of when Tony Vitello left to go to Tennessee. And we're sitting there at Arvest Ballpark in Springdale. And this is right before he hired Nate Thompson. And we're talking to Coach Van Horn about, you know, who he might hire and everything. And he goes out and hires Nate, who they just played Missouri State. And Missouri State had, you know, two first-round draft picks. He walks up to us. What do you think about my hire? Like, guys, I know what I'm doing here. So, it's it just, you know, I just it just makes me think back to that moment. Like, just trust in the man. He's, he's there and he is who he is for a reason. So, just trust in him. Yeah, and, and trust in him. Like, there has been points throughout the season where people were like, oh, what's Dave doing? What's Dave doing? You know, but you think you talk about the Peyton Holtz. Embrace the importance of these young guys, these these guys that nobody knew about coming into the season. Explain the importance of these second stringers coming in and playing valuable moments throughout the season. And will that overflow into the postseason play, do you think? Well, it's, it, yeah, it's like he said in the, the play that Holt made when they were doing an interview with Van Horn. They're not backups. They're future starters. Jason Jones. Everybody thought he was going to come in and be the freshman that got the most attention. No, it's been Gage Wood, you know, rightfully so. Just because there was a log jam over there and Caleb Cowley has done so well at third base that you can't put Jones out there. But Jones has still gotten some reps, had a great play against Vandy last weekend. Uh, so, you know, Mason Neville's gotten his time. But think of Ben McLaughlin. So, mm-hmm. Ben's hitting 350. He started 18 games, played in 29. Wegner comes back, they insert him and everything, and everything's back to normal. And McLaughlin is the guy that's on the bench not getting every day at bats now. He comes in against A&M the other day, one pitch, whack, left center field, scores a run. So those guys always have to be ready, and there's no ego. That's the issue with a lot of teams now is freshmen and guys that transfer in, they think they're owed something right away. And it's the entitlement era that we're in. So that's the culture that Van Horn and his coaching staff have, have built there. And, and Coach Hobbs especially, he don't care who you are. If you don't throw strikes and get guys out, you're not going to pitch. We've seen multiple top 50, top 100 pitchers come in and not make it because they can't hold up to that. They got too much of an ego, and they don't want to work. So they go to a JUCO or some also ran school that's not playing anymore. Yeah. This season, so uh, it, it's a great point to the depth that they've built and the type of player that they bring in. I've gotten to talk to Jared Wagner or Wagner so many times this year about just weekly of 
the culture that they've built and they've brought in. It's like Lanzilli last year, Michael Turner. They're looking for a specific person, Tavian Josenberger. I mean, it's perfect. He's going to be a top five-round draft pick this year. So they're bringing these guys in that not only fit the need, but they fit the culture as well. That, that's very similar to what Coach Colby Hill with the soccer team does. You know, you're at that elite. You're, you can pick from the best of the best, so you're trying to fit on who fits your system the best. But as we break down this, this bracket and we see, you know, Arkansas got the top three seed and, and looking at their regional, and we'll, we'll uh, answer Matt Hart's question before we break down Arkansas's regional. It's who, who do you think – We'll ask this around the horns, talk with Jacob, Kevin, then I'll, I'll answer. But who do you think has the toughest regional looking at at the bracket? Uh, you know, looking – oh, sorry, Kevin. Go ahead, go ahead, Jacob. Yeah, cheers. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, so I saw, you know, Florida has a pretty tough regional. Uh, I mean, they're the overall number two seed in the country, trying to get it pulled back up. Let's see here. Uh, they've got a pretty hard one. If I'm not going to pick Arkansas, it's going to be this one. Let me pull this up. They have Florida A&M, which I think this is the first time that they have been in the show, in the NCAA tournament, and since like 1997, I could be wrong. They have Texas Tech and UConn, which are two pretty good, solid teams, I believe. Uh, I think if I'm not going with Arkansas, I think it's going to be that one. So I'm going to go to the super regional matchup that the, that the Fayetteville Regional has to face, and that's Terre Haute. Uh, so, North Carolina, obviously, you, you know their history. You know, 06, 07, back-to-back, made it to the championship series. Uh, but, the, yeah, those guys is a three-seed coming out of the ACC. That's tough. And then Iowa, Iowa's got the arms to beat anybody in that bracket. So, that that's a tough one right there. Arkansas on paper, they're you know, yeah, it's tough because they all, all four teams can hit. Arkansas has the lowest batting average out of all those. And, you know, you got a 295, a 320 in Arizona, and the other one's like 303. So, yeah, Santa Clara's hitting 300 on the year and 295 for TCU. So, they're all going to hit. Now, nobody really pitches anymore outside of Paul Skeens and the, the Rhett Louder for Wake Forest. Everybody else has like a 4.6 ERA in the world right now, it seems. But that's just where college baseball is right now. The, the backspin, the, you know, long ball averaging – you know, exit velos with all that good stuff. So uh, you're not going to see a lot of pitching. You may see some high-scoring games uh, in the Fayetteville regional. But, yeah, that Terre Haute, you know, I could see any of those three top three teams winning that regional. And I know I'm going to seem like I'm showing bias for a second, but you, you look at that Clemson regional and you got Tennessee, Charlotte, and Lipscomb. But I'll tell you what, Charlotte's no slouch. There's uh, Lipscomb. And, and, they beat Arkansas. And then you got Tennessee. So yeah. <laughs> if, if that, that right there, and and listen, Clemson's not a you know this would be a different story if you had say Clemson was a eight seed or a nine seed or a ten seed. There are four yeah. right behind Arkansas, and they just yeah. I, I guess they prove to us that you're you're a four seed. But yeah, that's a pretty brutal. And I'll tell you what, even if they don't get out of that regional, that that's nothing to hang your hat on because Tennessee showed flashes. Charlotte, I believe they beat South Carolina. And then, of course, you know, Lipscomb can beat Arkansas. But that's top to bottom. I, it'd, be, it'd be hard to sit there and, you know, it's not like you got LSU up there playing Tulane. It's 19 and 47, you know, or whatever. <laughs> you yeah. know. But, you know, that, that – Tulane had to go somewhere, though. And yeah. some people have them going to Fayetteville. But they, 
they were going to stay in the South. They were going to stay, you know, close to home, but you know, the selection committee and they tell everybody, they're like, look, okay, we want to get them as close to regionals as possible. And 15 of the 16 hosts are in the Southeast United States. When you look at the map as a whole, and then you got Stanford out there on the left coast and they're the only team that's, you know, past the mountain time zone that's, you know, host this year. So, you're going to have to have teams travel that, you know, qualified from outside of the Southeast United States. So, you know, Santa Clara, yeah, everybody's going to come over here. Getting two teams from California is interesting because it's a different brand of ball out there. And it used to be a lot of small ball, which, you know, Jay Johnson was known for Arizona when he was over there, but they got Chase Davis. He's got 21 bombs, 74 RBIs. He hit one ball in the Pac-12 tournament that I still don't think has landed. And NASA picked it up. They thought it was a missile from North Korea. So it, that dude could flat out swing it from the left side. And, you know, he, he watch out because that young man, he's going to be a first-round draft pick this year. Well, and then we'll, you know, wrap it up with – or not wrap it up, but we'll move on because you put out a couple of good, great tweets about really breaking down this region and some players for the other teams that really, you know, to watch out for and some teams to face, you know – Talk about Arkansas region, and this is not a, a, a slouch either. I mean, it, it really favors Arkansas where they can get somebody, you know, out of Indiana State or, like you said, North Carolina. But how well does this regional face up as we're talking about matchups in Arkansas coming out of this regional? Yeah, so Santa Clara is going to be a tough one right away. They're not going to be a central Connecticut or some directional school. They're, they're going to play a good brand of baseball, and – I've, I've seen some kids over the last few years that have gone on to play at a Santa Clara or a San Diego, and those those guys play good baseball. So it's it's going to be a team that you know put the put they put the ball in play. They don't strike out a ton of guys. Their pitching staff, so they pitch to contact quite a bit. They're going to try to get you out. So there's everything is really similar among these four teams on paper, whether it's fielding percentage. Uh, home runs, it's anywhere from 72 to 93, uh, with Arizona having the most and then Santa Clara having the least right there. But, you know, they got a 400 on base percentage as a team. That's really good. So every two out of five guys is, is going to get on base. They're not going to, like I said, they're not going to strike out a whole lot of guys. Their strikeout to walk ratio is two and a half to one, which is not great. But, uh, you know, out there, they, they do a lot of contact hitting and, especially in California, they put the ball in play. Everything had put pressure on the team. That's that's their name of the game. They did, They finished third in the West Coast Conference behind Portland, who's the number two, and then Loyola Marymount, who won the regular season at 21-6. and six. So, yeah, you got pulled up right there. Perfect. Uh, they beat Portland and just went on to win the West Coast Conference title. We've had some run-ins with Gonzaga, 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 however you want to say it. Uh, they've been to Fayetteville, so, you know, you know the type of ball club you're going to get uh, in the Broncos, and for every Hog fan out there, that is their mascot. It's the Broncos. Uh, so they had three second-team all-conference players, and then they had some that were honorable mention. So uh, outfielder Michael O'Hara, he's a over 300 hitter. He's got three home runs, a few RBIs there. So you can see the stats listed right there. You guys are prepared tonight. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but And, man, it just really kind of – I don't get it like the selection committee, they talked about the RPI and everything. 
how in the world do you go 12 and 18 and get in the get in the NCAA tournament without winning it, winning it all? You know, yeah. so 12 and 18 for Arizona, uh, you know, they're looking at something, but yeah, they got some, front of their jer- but they could be looking at the front of their jersey. And that's that yeah. is where also when when people look at this region, yeah. I know you got to take every game seriously, but you know. They're looking at the front of the jerseys and they're like, oh my gosh, Arkansas got stacked. But then you break down like how you've got it broken down. You're like, oh, well, they're really not as strong as the Arizonas of the past, you know, or TCUs of the past. You know, and we don't, but even Dave Van Horn, when asked about Santa Clara, he's like, I don't know nothing like you. Yeah. (laughs) But I think he's honest, he's transparent about it. But I'll go back to Arlington and when we played TCU and I was at that game and, Cam Brown, who we probably will see in the second game, hard throwing righty. He started against against us down there in Arlington. We might see him. He's their number two. Uh, got to see him since he was 14, 15 years old. He's from Texas. Kid throws hard with a really good slider. But, dude, there was not an easy out in their lineup. I mean, it was yak, yak, yak. And Will McIntyre had a terrible day. I mean, he was just – everything was over the plate, and they're hammering everything. So – you know, Gage Wood, that was his first appearance in front of 15,000 people, came in with the bases loaded. Well, you know, it was just a bad experience. So, uh, you know, once you get two or three games into this thing, that's where you start to find the depth of these programs. And, you know, it's like Jim Schlossnagel from Texas A&M said the other day, you know, they played six games last week. That's that's a long week. But they had 19,000 left-handers in the bullpen. Nobody likes hitting lefties. That's what they threw against Arkansas. So, uh, there, there's strategy, as George Bush, George W. Bush would say, in how you go about winning these regionals. It's you know you got to win three games, sometimes four if you lose early on. Uh, Arkansas, they need to go two and zero because I wonder about the depth coming back to bite them if they lose one of the first two games. And then you, you got a comment by Steve that says, if the top of the lineup doesn't start hitting, we are not getting out of the regionals. Thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to have guys that are hitting lefties, and you know, getting Justin Berger back and Wagner, you know, they've they've got games under them now. They've got at bats, they've got reps, and they're they're going to be more comfortable out there. And the friendly confines of Bomb Stadium goes a long way with players' psyche too. And yes. I mentioned this on Twitter earlier, also. So the total attendance for Santa Clara this year is nine thousand one hundred and fifty-two fans. Total. That's for every home game. Bless their heart. Not, yeah, that's not an average. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Yeah, so you're going to have eleven thousand people there, even on Friday afternoon at two o'clock. So um, the the players will be up for it. These guys have played well at home. Hell, there's Jason, more people lined up right now outside in the yeah. tents than they've had. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're averaging 353 per game. Jeez, yeah, it was amazing. And so I look at this look at it this way. Yeah, the top of the lineup needs to hit to win it. They don't need to hit every game. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, you're not going to have it if you have a game where everybody's on. It's going to be like Stanford last year in the College World Series. You beat them 17 to whatever. And ran them out of the park. Um, so yeah, they they'll get past Santa Clara. I have no problem with that. I think they start Hunter Holland. Of course, I don't know that uh, Coach Van Horn. Maybe he'd be like, okay, Hagen, go get us a win. Uh, but I think they're comf- I think they're comfortable in starting Will McIntyre. I don't think they will because I think Will. I think they like Will McIntyre in that role where he can throw three innings twice in a weekend because he did it this past weekend. And 
he'll he'll do great at it. I think he's settled into that role now, and you got three really good starters in uh, Smith, Holland, and Tiger. And really, another point in what we talked about earlier today was just the presence of Dave Van Horn. We've always seen him as this buttoned up, like not like a, a an extreme Nick Saban that type, but business type. Yeah. And now you're seeing him in this new light. And I really want to appreciate, you know, and, and give a shout out to Hogs Plus for, you know, their behind the scenes. And you're really getting to see him in a different light and see him really kind of relax. What effect do you think that's had on this team this year? Is You know, you don't have all these all-stars. I mean, you didn't have one player in the all-tournament team. You had one guy named to the all-SEC first team. So what does that say? You know, do you think that has had a big, huge impact on this team just – him being that relaxed, or is it just come with his tenure? So there, there's always been a saying that you want to be, you don't want to be too high or too low. You just want to be right there above the surface, and that's how you're the most successful. Whether it's in life, business, athletics, uh, you see a lot of players that are just. Caden Wallace was a perfect example. Caden would show emotion, but it was his own way. He would get vocal when he needed to. Uh, but he never really got down on himself either. And I think that's what you see in a, a Jared Wagner, a Jace Borfin. Uh, Slavens is, is a little bit more vocal, but, you know, the the, the pitchers, they always have the adrenaline flowing through them, and we're a different breed as it is. So don't worry about pitchers when I say that. But I think it's a reflection of that coaching staff and Coach Van Horn kind of, and he would be the first to say this, he's kind of mellowed out over the last four or five years. He's not the drill sergeant that he came in because he runs a hard program. You have to be mentally tough to play for that man. And that's where these guys get the the mental acuity to come out there and do their job every pitch. It's not every inning, not every game. It's every pitch. And that's how you get to number three in the nation and win the most games in the last seven seasons. And you talk about the mental side of things. Kendall Diggs is seven for 16 with the bases loaded in 24 RBIs. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Like, yeah. when, when you – you get not rattle the kid. I mean, he had the opportunity during the SEC tournament to have gone ahead against uh, Texas A&M and make the finals. But what do you think Kendall Diggs' impact is so far uh, as coming in as kind of a, you know, raw freshman, then turning in that, – that showed the explosive ability. Do you think that that carries over into the postseason? There is so much growth between a first and second year player that I don't think the casual baseball fan realizes it. Look at 2014 to 2015, Andrew Benintendi. Heck, look at Kevin Copps. I mean, just think about the, the growth that these guys go through in one year of being in college. And, it, you know, Coach Van Horn said, look, Diggs is going to be in the lineup he can hit. I mean, it's – you know, they they, they got to find a position for him, and they think his position is an outfield and pro ball. So when they were able to, they stuck him out there, and he got better in right field. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw that with Wagner out, and they had to shift Jace over when TJ went out. So having a guy like that that, you know, I, I got to sit behind his family a couple of times last year, and one of them was the Ole Miss walk-off uh, on Saturday night. That, <laughs> that was huge for them. So – you know, having somebody like that that, you know, you knew he could take that next step and realizing that potential just takes it to another level that these kids can compete on a high level day in, day out. And, you know, just to wrap this up, you know, other things that you've done, and this is why I kind of want to end on is is your other 
venue or your other stuff that you do, and that's the high school stuff that you and Kyle and really what y'all have done for SB Live Arkansas to blow up the high school. I mean, y- y'all do not get enough praise. I know you get a lot, but I you do not that. get a- enough praise for how y'all have taken the state of Arkansas by storm in every sport and become one of the leaders in – all sports high school. So again, talk about really plug, you know, the SB Live, your 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 rankings and how, you know, how much fun has that's been to cover high school sports in the state of Arkansas. So a little bit of background on me. I did not go into coaching right out of college. I I got a degree. I wanted to go to pharmacy school and then didn't get in. Like I applied twice at UAMS and they were like, hey, we like you, but you're not a pharmacist. So uh, all right, cool. I'll go find it. The closest degree at the time to the number of hours I had was a health science degree with the emphasis on community health promotion. All right, cool. Uh, I went into sales and I wanted to do something in sports. So I worked with a company that sold, you know, letter jackets and award systems to high schools and colleges. So I realized early on that it was about relationships. And when I decided that, hey, I wanted to you know, kind of give the coaching thing a run back in 2011 and went to North Pulaski and you guys, the, the football program there did not have, they had one winning season in their entire history. So it, you know, it was about forming relationships at that time. And I started umpiring and, you know, got to know some people and then really got back into the high school game. And five years ago, I went to Randy Rainwater and I said, Randy, I said, man, nobody's covering high school baseball like they used to. You used to see rankings and stats, game write-ups, box scores every week in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Now, uh, the Eric Taylor, Sam Lane, those guys do a great job with the limited staff they have. They And I've talked to Eric. Eric's a good friend of mine. They just don't have enough manpower to do what they used to do back in the you know late 90s. So, you know, I went to Randy, and he was like, look, you come on. I've never been on radio day in my life. So, he said, look, I'll teach you that. You just talk what you know. So, that's where it started, and – uh, Nate Olson gave me the opportunity because I was doing just freelance for the AP. Just, hey, here's the here's some rankings. Know some guys around the state that cover it. PBR had done a good job at the time, but they're a scouting service. They're not a, a media outlet. So we wanted to get these guys, these student athletes, noticed on a level that is worthy of their talent. And that is at the core of it all. So – being able to do that is something that I take great pride in and knowing that I've been able to see these kids grow up from, you know, a Casey Martin, Caden Wallace, Jackson Wiggins. I know he's from Oklahoma, but it's a Razorback. Uh, and you've got some exciting guys coming to Fayetteville in the next couple of years, then the, the train is not going to stop rolling down the tracks. But, you know, Scorebook Live has done a great job of giving a platform for feature stories, not only the rankings and, you know, the all-Arkansas teams that will be out next week, uh, but the feature stories. So you get to know what these kids are like off the field and the accomplishments that they've made, the, the 4.2 GPAs, the 36 ACTs. Drew Grumble's going to Johns Hopkins on a full-ride scholarship next year from Episcopal, you know, and Johns Hopkins is ranked number one in Division Three this year. They were 39-4 and four at one point. So getting to see stories like that is is why I do it, and I do it as a side job, and that's, you know, it's, it's, it's 
Amber, my wife calls it more of a hobby because it's a passion. It's, it's not yeah. work at that point, you know. Yeah, putting together the stats and putting them in AP format the way it should be done. Yeah, that's work. But you know, getting to see some and our all Arkansas team will be released this next week. But I'll give you a preview. The first team outfield, there, there's five outfielders, and I set it up just like a showcase program. So you got five pitchers, five infielders, five outfielders, two catchers, and two utility players. So you got 19 kids on the first team, 19 on the second team. The first team outfield, five five players, the lowest batting average was 478. And we're talking 5A, 6A, and, you know, you got some mixed in. The first team pitching staff, the highest ERA was 1.02. Uh, and nine strikeouts was the lowest Jeez. total. So, you know, getting – and these kids, they love the recognition because – and they need it because it, it helps them – it helps their psyche a little bit knowing that somebody's paying attention. It gives them there. purpose. Yeah, it gives them some purpose out there besides getting a certificate that says, hey, you got all state. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to be able to, to – save their clippings they'll save their screenshots <laughs> yeah exactly uh, <laughs> how old we are now so uh that you know that's what they'll get to do and you know i love talking to people and i ask them all the time what do you want to see more of what what do you want to see this thing grow into because i think it's just in its infancy stages you know t- uh kyle and i talk all the time and you know we've become great friends over this because we're, we're partners in this just like you know the four of us were at one time so uh, we've been able to help this thing grow, but it's, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't satisfied with just one title. He, it's what's next. And that's what Tommy Richardson at Woodlawn always says. He's got his ninth state title, his state championship. And his, his, his motto is we're just figuring out how to do the, how to win the next one. So, uh, this year was better than last and next year will be better than this one. Well, Cabo, again, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I mean, no one breaks down baseball. I mean, any level, than you i mean i I really enjoy like the text messages of just you see your passion when when we're talking and stuff and that's what a what i love about what you do and that's why we always do this but again appreciate you coming on and breaking this down we'll have the podcast uploaded in the morning if you didn't get to catch this live show but cabo we'll we'll definitely have you on and hopefully we'll be talking next week or the week after about omaha two weeks we'll be going to (laughs) omaha so yeah we'll we'll come on and break down the the Elite eight at that point. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kevin. That was Kevin Bohannon. Again, I mean, nobody breaks it down better better than Cabo, the guru. I mean, that that wasn't a name given to him by himself. That that was given to him by colleagues. But we're going to take a quick commercial break. After the break, we have Ethan Westerman. We're going to talk about his featured article in the upcoming episode of Hogs Illustrated about Rocket Sanders, and we'll catch you after the break. At Fordham Lee Distillery, our bourbons look as amazing as they taste. A delicious, high rye bourbon aged over six years. Fordham Lee is a company founded on the principles of great folks and spirits worth remembering. Look for Fordham Lee brands at Walk-Ons, Liquor World, Busters, and soon everywhere in Northwest Arkansas that serves fine spirits. Fordham Lee Bourbon says please drink responsibly. 21 means 21. Fordham Lee Distillery, blended and bottled in Middletown, Maryland. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Metters Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck, 
Plus, our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metro's Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www. .sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And we welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast, and we go back to the Meadows Lumber Hotline and bring in Ethan Westerman. Ethan, uh, your, your very first article gets to be the feature story of Hogs Illustrated. Uh, couldn't be more proud of you. And just talk about, you know, the, the article itself and what went into it and just how, how much fun was it being able to put this together? Yeah, it actually wasn't my first article for Hogs Illustrated. It was my first Actually, no, it was my second since I've joined full-time. I wrote a football one for the edition before, but this was my first ever cover story to write. So that was pretty pretty cool. Whenever I was just freelancing, um, oh, I, I wrote a few stories over the fall. I did a scouting report each week for it. So I've it's funny because I've really covered football mainly in a like in the fall I did for Whole Hog Sports a you know, visiting locker room report. I'd go to the press conference for the other team. But aside from that, like, my only experience with, with football, um, with, like, college football was writing for the magazine. So it's kind of been um, – it's, it's been a really cool outlet for me, Hogs Illustrated Magazine. I'm actually wearing the hat right now, by the way. If you, I'm outside because I was getting my, you know, cardio in. <laughs> I have to do that uh, with it, the weather like this. Well, you um, said you're walking around campus. So that, that, that gets you cardio enough as it is walking up and down the school – the, the well, campus. It was just going to be walk. I ended up running. So – I'll give myself bonus points today, but there it is. Yeah. That's the, um, that was the cover story for our football preview magazine, which, um, it was really cool because, um, we, you know, sat down and kind of discussed like kind of trying to roadmap what the football preview would look like a few months ago. And it's just kind of cool whenever you throw ideas out there on the board and then to see it all come together the way that it did, like, you know, it's just, it's, 
really cool whenever you see something go from just an idea to, you know, that right there, which just to give you a little, um, to put a little emphasis on, you know, I guess how cool the story was to me. I feel like at this point of just having done a lot of writing and stuff and, you know, have my feet wet a little bit in every sport, it's kind of like strange. I feel like at this point, whenever something just kind of like is a wow moment for me anymore, which is sad because back, like whenever I first started covering this stuff, like there was a lot of those just wow moments. Like um, I won't forget the first time I attended, like even like the blessings golf challenge. Whenever I went to that, it was a wow moment because I'd never covered anything college before, but I felt like kind of in the past year with just a lot of the stuff I've covered, I lost a little bit of that. But whenever I walked into Casey's gas station in Springdale the other day and I saw that magazine and there, that was like a, it was like a wow moment for me again, which is, it just was a special story. I feel like, um, I feel like it was one of those that I knew going into it, it would probably be like a pretty special thing to tell just cause, um, you can tell from, you know, what has, uh, rockets, presence on social media that he's like really trying to be like a really good dad to his son but just getting to talk to his mom about it it just brought it a lot more to life kind of about um you know the maturity that it takes to be a college athlete and especially I mean just with at his level too with what all he's got going on to be as mature as he is um so yeah it was a really special article for me just because um, like I said, it was like one of those new wow moments, just as far as like seeing it all come together. If you haven't read the story, um, I just kind of, kind of the way I, the, the angle I took on this was I gave a little, I mean, going into it, all I knew was I was going to ride on rocket being a dad, but after talking to him and his mom a little bit, I was like, I got to take things back and I got to go back to whenever rocket was a kid, um, and talk a little bit about that. So got a chance to talk with his mom, um, learn a little bit just about his upbringings. You know, he, wasn't even a football player for a lot of his life. Uh, I don't know if y'all know that, but he, he thought he was going to be a hooper. Uh, and he was really – I went and watched his huddle highlights of him playing basketball. He was really good. I mean, his mom told me she was like, oh, he would have gone somewhere with basketball had he kept it. And I believe it. I was watching – I mean, I know huddle highlights only give you an at, like a, a sample size. But, I mean, some of the highlights I was watching, I was like, man, dude, you were, you were really good at basketball. But he uh, – it's crazy because he actually just ended up playing football. Um, uh, he, he played youth. That's actually how he got his nickname rocket was like youth football, but then he quit for a while. And in his 10th grade year, he was like, oh, I want to, um, I want to, his older brother was going to be a senior on the football team. He was like, I want to make some memories with my brother and play football. And uh, he got hurt and it got him out for the whole basketball season from doing that. So he was like kicking himself over it. But by the time he got healed, he was, uh, they were like, Hey, you should come to this UCF football camp. And he went there and just took off from there. But uh, it's just kind of, it was kind of crazy just to hear his whole background about how he's, how he's even at the, um, at the level that he's at and what all he's gone through. And, um, you know, part of his story is that he was raised like from most of his, childhood it was just his mom kind of in the picture um he has a stepdad who says awesome now um so he didn't want to like downplay that but he just let me like it's I think I documented it pretty well in the story just that his mom really carried the load for them a lot whenever he was younger and he um so now it's it's like his mom is kind of his mom's very important to him and it's kind of cool to see how he's taking how good of a mom she was for him into how good of a dad he's wanting to be for his son. So it was a really cool thing to do. Um, it was also neat because the time of the interview, whenever I did it, 
was uh, right before, you know, I think it was during finals week maybe. So it was right before, you know, get a little bit of a break. But it was just cool to see uh, how much he, like, you can't fake genuine just excitement. Like, that's it's easy to see through people who aren't actually excited about something. But the way that he just got, like, he was ready to go home and was tell, talking to me about all that he was, he was going to take his son to Disney World because he's from right near Orlando. Uh, Rockledge is like, I don't know how many minutes away of a drive, but it's not too far. But he was, like, just getting excited telling me about all the day he had planned. It was just cool to see that it's a student athlete who was in the middle of finals who is, you know, on one of the best running backs in the nation entering this next year. But he's just still – he's just very mature on top of, like, planning things out. Like, he already knew what he was going to do whenever he got home that week and how he wanted to spend his time with his son. So it was just cool to see that maturity. Um, there was a quote in the article – by Sam Pittman to uh, just talking about his maturity, um, how it's just that's he's only known mature Rocket because Rocket uh, became a dad, I think. Like no, I think it was right before he came uh, to campus. So it was he's had to have that maturity from day one for the program. So yeah, it was a pretty special story to write. Um, really was pleased with how it turned out. Um, of course, with the cover, it looked cool, and then. Got some really good photographs in there as well of um, of Rocket whenever he was younger too, and a few photos of him and his son. That's also I gotta I gotta throw this in there. One of my favorite parts about talking to him and his mom was they loved to like dress RJ as his son. Uh, they I I told him I said like while I was interviewing I said every picture I've seen I said he's dripped out like y'all y'all put together some great outfits <laughs> and that opened a whole can yeah. of worms I got to hear about like favorite outfits uh from his mom and it was just super cool it's just it's fun seeing how much he loves like fashion how like important that is to him and how he's like making sure his son has some they make sure his son has some great outfits so it was a really cool story and especially with NIL right now, he can he can bet he can yeah. he can spoil that boy, you know, and spoil his mama too. Well, it yeah. was actually I think uh, he has a big NIL deal with Huggies diapers, yeah. which is just yeah. kind of yeah. It's I mean such a unique thing. I mean I it's just cool to see Rocket, you know, getting on a short little commercial endorsing a diaper brand. You know, it's just he's fully embraced being a dad, and it's cool to see because. Um, a lot of people in his shoes wouldn't. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people who are his age who don't really have anything to do with their child at this point, and he's doing everything that he can to be a big part of his life. So, um, yeah, and it was also cool to hear just how he's thinking. He's just really mature. That was my main takeaway from talking with him was just very mature, how he's thinking about things, how he's uh, very long-term focused on, like, his what he's doing now and like the decisions he makes for his son is very long-term focused. Um, just trying to make sure that yeah. it, cause he hates being away. He FaceTimes all the time. It just hates being away from him. So doing all that he can to, you know, set up for the future. So, yeah. you know, kind of talked about what you got, you know, working on now, you know, especially with football approaching and, and summertime and, and where everybody can find, you know, the hogs illustrated on work, shelves, what stores are they're being sold at. Yeah, so fun fact, I don't really – that's – I'm learning this as we go <laughs> as far as, like, where you can find them. I found Casey's because okay. I saw it, and I was like, that's really cool. Um, so I know that for a fact, a lot of them in Northwest, Ar- Northwest Arkansas. I don't really know, like, statewide or other places, like, what all other places have them. But um, 
it's for anybody that's wanting to access it. I mean, you can access it online, purchase a subscription to it. Just um, if you go to the Hogs Illustrated website or Whole Hog, you can click on there's like a Hogs Illustrated button at the top. Um, and it's pretty easy to subscribe. Uh, my mom just did it, so that was kind of cool. There she, you go. <laughs> she saw my story and she's like, she's like, subscribe. So that yeah. was that was neat to see. Um, it's and what's cool about the subscription is it's uh, it's seventeen a month, but it will get you access to not only Hogs Illustrated, but like to all the stories we do on Whole Hog, um, and stuff like that. Like anything that's kind of associated with our Hog Sports Network. Um, the bundle all that That, that's what the subscription is for is for everything and so um but i think hogs illustrated is it's really special to me our editions that we do because it's just such unique content like we don't we don't put the stories that are in there are unique to hogs illustrated like you don't see it anywhere else and so i've got some of my favorite stories i've gotten to write have been for hogs illustrated i mean i'd say my favorite maybe my favorite story i've ever written uh was this past fall I wrote one on Michaela Daniels on the basketball team and her military upbringing. And that was just so cool. I'm um, talking to her parents about that. It's just, I, it's really unique content we put in there. Um, the feature stories and everything we do. So yeah. Uh, Hogs Illustrated a magazine. You can get it online. I know if you have an iPad, it's really nice. Cause it's like, it feels to me like whenever I read it on an iPad, like it's, it feels almost like a real magazine just cause it's so big the pages can read it super clearly um so yeah well ethan i know but, you know but when you know football comes around we're gonna have you on you know when you start breaking down summer practices and stuff and what you're seeing and really looking forward to i mean i can't believe you know uh postseason baseball's here but i know right around the corner i know we're starting to the countdown to football season so really looking forward to having you on every week to to really break that stuff down and of course when the football season you know gets here breaking down post game and and really talking about the, you know, the outlook for the team ahead. Yeah, I'm excited for, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird time of year, I think, for everybody. I mean, of course, baseball with College World Series and everything, or I can't, probably getting ahead of myself saying College World Series coming up, but the NCAA tournament coming up, um, it's like, I mean, there's still stuff going on, but it's a weird season for me because, I mean, I've been watching, I've been, like, covering the women's basketball and softball and all that nonstop and I did high school football this past fall it's like the first time since August I've just been kind of like okay what am I you know what's going embrace on it. embrace uh, it <laughs> so it's kind of funny because I'm ready for I don't know if I'm breaking up I don't know if I'm breaking up it is a little bit but that's all right but uh, yeah, Ethan, we appreciate you coming on okay. we'll, we'll catch you on I can next hear week you, but I think it's breaking up all right we'll catch you next <laughs> week man that was Ethan Westerman again, the, man, one of our, our good friends. I, I really enjoyed covering the women's sports with him and stuff, and an up and comer when it comes to writing. And I'll tell you what, I mean, he's just he's been thrown to the wolves, and he's, he's done the most with it. And I'll tell you what, he's one of the hardest workers I've ever met when it comes to doing that. But Jacob, I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up with just thoughts of the baseball. We'll go back to the baseball and talk about you know this regional and a potential you know, super regional. And and what are you looking forward to the most when it comes to this weekend and potentially next weekend? Yeah. So I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing the potential matchup, maybe the rematch between TCU and Arkansas. If TCU didn't get bounced in early on, that would be a blessing in disguise because I feel like uh, TCU, they, they're, 
you know, they've been up and down, down the stretch of the season out of the Big 12. Uh, really think Santa Clara could, they have a little bit of pop, just like Kevin Bohannon said. I'm really interested to see how, uh, who starts. I think Hunter Holland may uh, have the opportunity. That's what I've heard uh, through, I mean, not through the grapevine, but I'm saying like, you know, I, I feel like Hunter's got a good case to start. Uh, he's been the most consistent pitcher all season long. Uh, and and I'd really like to see Arkansas matched up against Arizona. They've been winners of nine of their last 14 games. Uh, big victories. They had a victory over uh, Tennessee this season, Michigan State, USC, and several other. I think Oregon State and one other top 25 team. So they're not a slouch either, a three seed. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that game may look like as well. Uh, as far as the very next week with the Terry Hot. Uh, potential uh, uh, match with, matchup with those guys. I think Arkansas has a favorable matchup if Indiana State or Iowa, whoever comes out of that regional. I think Arkansas is set up to have a fire, absolutely incredible super regional. I, I really hope that's the case, and hopefully Arkansas gets it done and taken care of on Sunday. The, uh, like we were talking about with Cabo, and we've mentioned previous episodes of just how business-like this team is, but but laid back. They're not stressed. They're not tense. They don't feel like it's a Omaha or bust kind of season, you know, whether Absolutely. it be or not. But that's they're treating it like one game at a time. And I think, all right, now is the time to really turn the Jets on. They've shown us – they've proven to everybody what this team is. They, they've proven to everybody that this team belongs in Omaha. They belong and, – and I said this, I believe it was a month ago, when I said it would be a team like this that would win – the College World Series, and I'm telling you, the way things are set up and the way they're not taking anybody lightly, and that's from playing in the SEC. Let, let's, I know everybody says SEC is the best at all the conferences, but I'm telling you, the grind of playing, it's not like football. You're playing them once on a Saturday. You're playing the top teams in the country, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and mix in a Monday, and then you're throwing in a midweek season, midweek game with – you know, Little Rock and, you know, Lipscomb, who's in the tournament, you know. So this team is very well seasoned. They're ready to go, and I think it's time to take care of business. And what? And I'm not saying by any means this is a cakewalk, but it's just the fact that you're not having to go into a super regional where you're having to play an SEC team. And I know there's a lot of SEC teams that make it and make it to the super, but I really – I wish there was a way to try to – because, honestly, let, let's just face it. It's not fair to the SEC teams to go through the schedule and and then you bunch a couple of them against each other in, yeah. in the Supers. I mean, it, so it's almost like – but with how many make it, I mean, I know it's inevitable they're going to match up. But, you know, it just seems like a lot of these teams, you look at the Auburn – I mean, say – Auburn and Tennessee come out of their region. They're they're a matchup, you know, a super regional matchup. But yeah, it's nice to know that you could either have Iowa, North Carolina, Wright State, or Indiana State coming to Arkansas next weekend. But you got to take care of business first. And I'm telling you, you know, it's all about you look at the team this year. This was a team you look at the injuries, didn't think they would be in the spot they are. So you can't take Santa Clara, Arizona, or TCU, none of them, because this is postseason. You mess around and take advantage of this team or underestimate a team, you're going to be sitting at home next weekend while they took your spot and they're heading somewhere else to play for a chance to Omaha. 
Yeah, and and you think about it, like I was talking to Cabo uh, this morning. It's like Arkansas, man. Do you really think they're going to get matched up with an SEC team? Like I, I really felt like Arkansas was either going to get Alabama or Auburn yeah. in the super regionals if they made it every. And I'm thankful. Like that was the best case scenario because now you're looking at like. Okay, we know how hot Arkansas has been. We know the the level that Arkansas is able to get to. And we saw it last year. You think about the the home runs by Brady Slavens and, and Jalen Battles in Omaha. This team last year, they weren't hot until they got to the postseason. This team right here has battled and been hot outside of the SEC tournament. Going into the postseason, they're one of the hottest teams in college baseball. You look at guys like, and I, I know, man, I've been riding Peyton Holtz coattails for over a month and a half now. But that guy has put it all on the line for the Razorbacks. A guy that's been hitting like 433 or 430 or 443, something like that. One home run, 17 RBIs since he was inserted in the starting lineup and, and made some exceptional plays, whether it be the diving stop against A&M to the throw it first to get the uh, first out in the ninth inning or whether it was Peyton Holt turning and faking a throw to first in the SEC tournament and throwing it back to the third base instead of making a double play. Like, guys like these guys have high IQs and they're playing out of their minds right now defensively. And I think, and I know there's some comments earlier that, you know, are concerned about the top of the half hitters, whether it's Jared Wagner, whether it's, whether it's Tavian Josenberger, those guys, they were hot at the beginning of the year and they were consistent throughout the year before their injuries. I think, and we've seen it, we've seen pop and like, Jared Wagner hitting a home run in, or the grand slam in the SEC tournament to beat uh, A&M. They are just right there. And I think once they get past that wall uh, before or after their injuries, Arkansas is going to be one a, well, a team that not you don't want to face in Omaha. Yeah, and, and that's that, that's the thing. They've proven there, and you're only going to get stronger, you know, because I mean I know you have the grind of the weekend, but. You know, you're going in. There's no more weekend, midweek games to prep for. You know, this is, yeah. you know, get through the regional, go to Supers, and then then you worry about the layout of the, the College World Series. But, you know, playing in the SEC tournament, that kind of helps you with that weird format of the pool play or double elimination to the semifinals or whatnot, and, and then how things play out in Omaha. But really looking forward to the next couple of weeks. I mean – now, now everybody's going to be packed. Uh, poor uh, Santa Clara, you know, 9,000 for the whole season, and they're going to be seeing, you know. At least 11,000 <laughs> in one 11 night. At least 11 or 12 in one night. So that's going to be interesting to how their take on the crowd. But they, it seems like every year they get one of those teams that just come in and they're not used to having the fans, and they're about to experience SEC baseball. But, yeah, this is – Without, you know, I don't want to jinx anything, but I just have a special feeling about this team because it, it's a hardworking team that has – they've had to rely on each other to get to this point. And just how relaxed Dave Van Horn's been, in fact, he's just not as tense and, and the, the pressure, you know. And I think, again, nobody deserves a national championship more than Dave Van Horn. And this is going to be a fun, fun postseason. Yep. Uh, first game starts at 2 p.m. Uh, Arkansas's first game 
uh, starts at 2 p.m. versus uh, Santa Clara. The bless their hearts. I, I really feel bad <laughs> for them because they're they're going to be hearing something like you. Did you see that TikTok oh, the yeah. other day of that that uh, the Wu Pig Yeah, and oh, he said, hilarious. "I ain't ever been in a uh, football stadium with eighty thousand hillbillies going woo pig sick." Yeah, I like, took it was like, to oh, that. I mean, and it just it's going to be a culture shock yeah, I, to these uh, Santa Clara guys. I take offense when everybody mentions Arkansas, they say hillbillies. We're, we're only in Ozark, okay? You, you know, everybody <laughs> wants you see the helmet up there. That's the Ozark hillbillies. I mean, that, that's what they think the whole state, but no, it's just <laughs> I laugh every time when they say because. I guarantee when they make that joke, they don't realize, hey, we actually have, a, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it's like we actually have a mascot called the Hillbillies. And then they're probably, see, I told you. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, Jacob, if you ain't got anything else, man, I'll, I'll wrap this bad boy no. up. Um, I do want to brag on uh, Ethan, though, about his little article. Uh, we didn't get to mention like there are some publications out there that are really high on rocket centers, and that's what I'm going to close on. He is projected by uh, 247 Sports as the 22nd overall pick in next year's NFL draft to the Chargers. He's the 36th overall player, according to uh, um, Sports Illustrated. He is the third best returning, or second, no, second best returning running back in the country, according to ESPN. Like yeah. this guy is about to make some money. Oh yeah, and, and, and being uh, a running back, that and baby being, and mama, and and a running back in today's game, you know that that to be rated that high. I mean, that's saying something about you know his, first overall running back taken. Yeah, and good luck to him. Good luck to him the rest of the year. If you can't, you know, get out there and get a Hogs Illustrated Casey's at your local or go online, check that story out, subscribe. But for Jacob Davis, I'm Porter Hayes. We will catch you next week, hopefully talking about who Arkansas is matched up against in the Super Regionals. Go Hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.